podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Can you do me a couple of ones in a change for you? Fag machine takes once, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Hey, whoa, 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 don't do that. No point doing that. Give him the tenner back, right? You give him the fiver and the fifty, right? Give him that back. So you take that and you just give him the free ones. Right? Give him the free ones, that's it. Now you give him 30, right? You give him the 10 bob back, and you owe him, if I'm right, 22 pence. <laughs> that's wrong, isn't it? Back by popular demand, Simon Day and Friends Lockdown Show 2, Saturday, July the 4th, 8.30pm. Go to biletto.co.uk, search Simon Day and Friends. Tickets, only £5. Show will be shown on Facebook. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Right, Martin, another podcast in the bag. The uh, the first podcast since football came back. Yeah, apart from, well, yeah, obviously last week's was a preview piece. So, yeah, nice to have nice it's to have something to talk right. about. Is that what you're saying? What's that? Technically, I'm right then. It is the oh, first you are right. podcast yeah, football You came can back. hear me thinking as I was speaking. I just, just say yes uh, next time. Yes. Uh, it's, it's back. I'm delighted about it. I genuinely feel uh, very excited that it's here. Uh, we have John Bruin on as a guest who isn't as ex- I mean, you could probably guess that not as excited as I am. Uh, Martin, what do you reckon, mate? It's back. That's good enough, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's back. We, we cover Man City being good, Arsenal being bad, a uh, couple of relegation bits. But then we kind of focus on wingers and strikers in yeah. the final bit, which is very much worth hanging on for because it's... Uh, we, we seem to talk about that um, in good depth, and I enjoyed some, that. Some good, yeah, some good wingers chat. I don't think we've done that at all, ever, on the podcast. No, no, big fan oh, of wingers. Good. Yeah, and also I do this at the end of the podcast, but I'll do it here as well. Shout out to Louis Sibley, Derby County hat-trick at the weekend, youngest hat-trick scorer since uh, Ryan Sessegnon in 2017 in the Championship. Mate, you've got to, you've got to watch his hat trick. You've got to watch it. You've got to watch this player, man. He looks he looks unbelievable. You'd be very I'll, proud of him and me. I'll check it out, mate. Yeah, do that. Um, yeah, follow us on Twitter, all that sort of stuff at Football Podcast. Uh, until then, I guess uh, just enjoy yourselves and just be safe. Yeah. Okay, so welcome to the Whistleblowers back again for some actual football action this time. Uh, following on from myself and Mark Smith uh, last week, joined by Alan Algar. This this week back to a regular John Bruin. John, great to have you back. Great to be back. Great to be back. <laughs> uh, what, a what a pleasure I mean, to that's, hear that as, that's as enthusiastic as I've ever heard you, John. So what's, <laughs> what's changed in recent weeks? How's the, how are things going? Um, well, yeah, uh, I'm still in sweet isolation in Bethnal Green. Uh, the weather's nicer than when we spoke on a regular basis, I think. Um, yeah. And there's football on, but not as we know it. No, but, it's still, but, but John, it's still back. It's still back, and that's why it's yeah, it, everything's it, fine. The sun is out. The football's yeah. back. It's lovely, isn't it? The sun is out. The football's back, and there's a deadly pandemic still out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's pretty much my take on it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it, it's it's odd. I, I, I don't know how you how you uh, are, are uh, living, Mark, but um, and I'm not the uh, um, like um, Greg Lamond uh, that is Martin Gritton these days. So I, <laughs> I, I am pretty much siloed in my locale. You know, I walk yep. sometimes ten miles a day, but often Why? in circles. Uh, <laughs> is it one leg shorter than the other yeah something like that but yeah just you know just passing the time i've been busy been busy but um the football returned um, are we recording yeah, yeah we are and i didn't even introduce you mark so uh, uh yeah. welcome welcome mark smith it's next time carry on carry on john i want to hear john i want to hear john talk more about what he gets up to in his day as if it's not on a podcast about football well that's yeah but that's i mean if you if you'd have tuned into any of our off football podcast, Mark. As you know, thanks for your support. I yeah, mean, yeah. Red hot brewing action on that. Um, yeah, well, you know, as as we speak, um, uh, I've got uh, Leicester v Brighton on with no crowd, no crowd noise because I've got the sound turned down. Um, and yeah, it's uh, so. Yeah, the, the, do you know what? At this point, I think there's too much football on. Can I say that? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's I think that's actually fine to say, John. I think it, it feels like a very strange international tournament. Yeah. Where there's there's games constantly and it's nice and sunny outside, but it's hard to it's hard to care as much as normal. It's like England haven't played yet and we've just watched all these other teams. But having said that, it's back <laughs> and I am absolutely over the moon. I'm I'm delighted by it all. And I mean, it's given me some sort of purpose. You asked me what I've been up to, John. To be honest, it's F all, nothing. I've just been waiting, just been waiting for football to come back, and now it's right. here. To be honest, it could have been they could have played six aside in a cage with no fans, and I'd have been delighted. Yeah. And as it is, it's back properly as far as it can be, and so I'm over the moon. Grits, what are you thinking about it? Have, have you yeah, watched much I, of it so far? I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. I mean, to be honest, the simplicity of life uh, during this pandemic has been really uh, quite enjoyable in some ways. Um, obviously not in others, but with something like this, it kind of anchors you back in some sort of normal calendar. So you actually pay attention to what day it is, uh, how, how time is passing. And, obviously, and football gives you some sort of yardstick to measure stuff against. I am, um, you know, obviously the, well, let's go straight on to it. The, and the form of the teams coming in, I always find it, I find it really interesting because it's such an odd break for them to have had. Um, yeah. And obviously, it's going to affect. It'll be really interesting to see how it affects next season and this Champions League window. But um, but so the the way some teams came back and and the way Man City came back. I mean, we'll start with the Burnley match just because it's it's the freshest in the memory. It's just like not only not being away, but just cementing like going. This is the best team in the league, and I and I know Liverpool proved otherwise. But and I know I was banging the drum. But just Man City, Man City are just such a well-oiled machine, and you know the yeah. players just are so look so much better. They're just so much better than 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 the guys they're playing against. It's not even you know it's not like a, a hundred percent blood and not sort of Premier League match. It's just like inevitably this will have you know the wear the other team down and batter them. Okay then, Martin. Um, can I ask then why Liverpool so far ahead? Well, that's again that's. There was a momentum and a form that was happening during the season that all it took was a couple of games for Man City to lose their grip on it. And therefore, once once Liverpool had gone, I think there was a kind of, not an apathy, but there was certainly not the focus that you get when you're 
both of you are within two points of each other, three points of each other. Um, and I'm not, and, and Liverpool fully deserved, and, and you know, I, I don't want to take anything away from that. Liverpool fully deserved to be that far ahead. I'm just saying that if I was to pick which team was better, I'd pick Man City. Ruben, what are we saying? Um, it, it's a bit of a. I, I, Is, well, has Martin I'm, lost his mind? No, no, he hasn't really. Well, this is not really a committed answer, but what I'd say is that I think it's fair to say uh, Manchester City have the best squad because they, they've play, been able yes. to play almost two teams over those games. Yes. Um, and, and of course, with the added substitutions, with the fact that you can have, is it nine substitutes? Uh, that yeah, yeah. that really puts that really shows you how good a team, how good a squad they've got. So a team like Burnley, um, you know, maybe carrying injuries, their chances of putting twenty good players out there are next to nothing. Whereas yeah. City can do that every week. Um, but you know, uh, of of all the teams that you would expect to be able to hit their rhythm. First of all, that would be Manchester City. They're the best drilled team. Um, Liverpool, Liverpool's team is built around a slightly different rhythm. It's about a, it's a more of a momentum thing, isn't it? They build up that head of steam. And against Everton, they didn't really have that. Whereas City, uh, it's all those complex patterns. And once they start getting those going, you're also pushing at the other team's fitness. Um so I mean I'm not Arsenal look undercooked in that game they played last week, and Burnley you know for all the hard work that Sean Dyche has put in, he's used to training his players you know yeah, yeah. Und, with with in the wind and the rain of Lancashire as opposed to what's been quite good weather. So yeah, teams of that level, and I include Arsenal, just aren't going to have a hope against a, a squad like Manchester City's. Uh, can we talk briefly um, about I mean. The new cycle moves so quickly now that I feel like it's probably out of out of date already. But I think we should probably mention at some point the the Burnley banner. Any, any thoughts on that, Martin? Any thoughts, John? Well, I mean, when when I saw it, um, I was quite, very shocked by it. But then again, in all these situations, you're shocked, but you shouldn't really be surprised. Um, you know, the the things that okay, uh, the the Saturday before that. Um, the Saturday before the Premier League started again, we had those incidents in London where people came down ostensibly to protect statues. But in fact, it was a show of force from the football lads, as they call yeah. themselves, who are essentially a right-wing movement. And within football, t- within football support, there there are groups of idiots who hold those views, and yeah. you know, people flying a plane over grounds. We see that all the time. And all it took was, uh, well, I'm not sure how many idiots it was that got that together, but also, let's not forget the, the plane company that actually signed up to do that. I mean, yeah. what did, what yeah, I mean, did that, they do? I don't get that. <laughs> but in a way, though, just generally, thank Christ for Marcus Rashford. We talked about it last week, didn't we, Martin, about the fact that he is, he's brought some balance back to the, the public perception of what a football fan and what football can do positively. And, you know... Like you say, those 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 uh, the the protests last week or two weekends ago, and then the banner it just brought it crashing back down again. Hopefully, something good will come come up in the next couple of weeks, and we can talk positively about it and make ourselves yeah. proud football people again. There's uh, definitely it definitely feels like some more momentum. And when you look at again Ben Mee's reaction, the fact that he didn't yeah, have to be prompted for it, and 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 that is coming from you know that's 
That's coming from an area of, of football. Normally, it's you know, it would always seem to be on the periphery. Any of these protests, and you know, when you watch Sky Sports News, you go and the guys are wearing the badges. Everyone that needs to be behind it is behind it. Yeah, and you yeah, hope that yeah. yeah, and you hope that people are educated for the better. Yeah, that's frustrate the idiots and more, isn't it? Anyway, let's not talk about this too much because I feel yeah, like true. better yeah. people have talked about it than we have. Um, let's talk about uh, a team, John, that you mentioned just now, uh, Arsenal, because they haven't just started badly they've started absolutely atrociously haven't they is this is this real is this really now a time for Arteta to look over his shoulder already no I don't think you can say that I mean I think I I, I would imagine that unless things go like that every week um, I think what happens within these nine games or ten games in Arsenal's case they isn't really going to count it's it's a it's a it's a pre-season it's a it's a tour of America. It's you know it doesn't it doesn't really count. I I, I do think though I, I would say this actually. Um, I wasn't exactly blown away by watching football uh, back in the Premier League at all, but Arsenal were absolutely brilliant to watch. Absolutely hugely entertaining. Thank God. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, yeah. I mean, David Luiz. Thank you. Good on him. <laughs> thank you. Uh, just unbelievable, just absolutely amazing. And then the the, the palaver at Brighton with uh, with Mope. You know, I, I, the incident that that that's, I could compare that to is you compare Gwen Doozy doing mm. that to Mope to Martin Keown against Ruud van Nistelrooy back in yeah. two thousand three, and it's a little bit powder puff, isn't it? It's a bit faux hardman stuff. Yeah. Um, it's just nothing. Where, where was this ten minutes before in the actual game? Where where was the aggression there? Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, uh, Martin Keown was the stout yeoman of Arsenal for what seemed like many decades and was a great mm. player for them. Gwen Doozy's produced nothing. And ultimately, Mope, it was an accident. OK, he, he was at fault slightly, but he didn't mean to do that. Well, all that's he, did, that's was, all, all he that. did was score the goal. You know. Chris, you're an ex-pro. I'm sure you've... Yeah. On plenty of occasions, just you know, jumped with the keeper. I, I don't yeah, yeah. think that to, to me, Mope can take no responsibility for that. I don't think he's tried to do him. He's, that's, Arsenal fans are talking about it like he's gone over the top of a ball, studs up, and actually all he's done really is lean into the player. And okay, it shifts his balance a bit, but there's no way he's tried to no. do it there, is there? No, uh, what it is, uh, Peter Crouch, I think, was made a good comment about it when I was watching it and saying that it was his frustration. It wasn't his going for the keeper to put a little bit on him, it was him frustrated that the ball overran him. So it's you know like when you're just like oh, for fuck's sake, I can't get can't get to that one. And you're just yeah. like, I'll just I'll just put one, I'll lean into him. If you look at the way that he lands, he lands like a his daddy long legs, he's going all over the place and he's like he's splayed. And you're like, well that's where the injuries happen. The injury hasn't happened when the you get bumped. And you almost always keepers protect themselves when they go to take that ball. So he's turned his back, he's gone into yeah. him. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not. It's not a bad foul. And to be honest, uh, yeah. And going back to the handbags thing, it's. Oh, I always find it hilarious because they know. Like, uh, we've had some. I've had some brawls in tunnels before with League Two, like non-league stuff. Oh, you mean in there's football? No, Good. There's no cameras. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'll specify. That, that's just, in, that's just a night out in Clapham for Martin. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, um, it's more to the case that there's no cameras. And you can get the the stuff that goes on at that level. I mean, if someone's squaring up to you and it's away from, but these guys are squaring up to each other on the pitch in front of the cameras. For there's no one that's going to get oh, hurt. It's, no it's one's very much. Uh, it's, it's, it's a fight with the bouncer. You're going, hold me back, hold me back. It's that exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, 
Yeah. Uh, actually, can I, can I mention Peter Crouch, actually? Two points, actually. Uh, Mark, you're in the light entertainment business. Uh, what do you make of his TV show? I have not seen it. Well, okay, good answer. Um, and <laughs> also, I, I don't know well, if you should, should I see it? Tell me what you think of it. No, it's terrible. Please, you know, you okay. save yourself. Uh, no, um, <laughs> and also what I really enjoyed was um, Peter Crouch's, uh, you know, w- w- we live in the Zoom world now where not everybody can be in the same studio. So Peter Crouch was through a Zoom or Microsoft Meet or whatever, and his voice slowed Microsoft down. Meet. Yeah, yeah, and no, I saw that. I did see that. That was amazing. It sounded like he was hammered. Yeah, it it sounded like. I mean, as I tweeted about this, saying like it sounded like when you had a Walkman and it slowed down. You know, <laughs> yeah. when you were listening to when you were listening to a story tape or something in the eighties, and you know, but it was my, only, it was only slowed down by like a couple of percent, right? So yeah. it, it wasn't noticeable immediately. But it was just like, what's happening here? Is he slurring or is yeah. what is happening? I'm disappointed his, his show isn't good, John. He, no, well, I think he's a good guy, but um, uh, 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 he's he's obviously got a good agent, but um, it really hasn't worked out for him. Yeah, Crouchy's voice. You know, um, I, I, this is, <laughs> must be, but remember Guinness, the Guinness Book of Records TV programme where they'd have the world's yeah. tallest man? They always yeah. used to speak like t- t- Peter Crouch did there. Now, Peter Crouch is six foot seven. But he's not. I thought he suddenly stretched him out so that his vocal cords would suddenly, you know, that Andrey, that Andrey the Giant, yeah, exactly. speaking voice. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, the Chinese guy that was uh, Mr. Bao was his name, and he was oh, like right. seven foot nine or something. That name again um, is Mr. Bao. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff, Martin. Thanks, Back mate. to the first weekend of the restart, though. Um, I think we should probably gloss over the uh, the Liverpool derby. There wasn't really much to look at there. Um, can we talk about how bad West Ham were and how bad West Ham are, please? Yes. If, we can do it, if we can do it carefully, that'd be great. Um, um, well, I, I can do this if you wish, Martin. Thanks, mate. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, OK, I, I think um, uh, David Moyes has got a very tough job there. I think he had a very tough job there in the first place. I, I, I My memory is that they had a little bit of momentum at a certain point. That's all been lost, obviously, just as everybody else has had. And that game against Wolves, Wolves are a decent team. We know that. They weren't really at the races, but they took the time and they picked apart West Ham, as you'd expect they would do. Um, we can make jokes about the, the, the London Stadium's lack of atmosphere. Um, and um, we can also make jokes about the fact that neither Trevor Brooking, David Gold, nor um, David Sullivan know how to wear a mask. Uh, so it was it, it was just it, it was you know it was good to have West Ham back really but um, it was not a performance to make me think they've got a chance of staying up for the next season whatever that yeah. might be yeah yeah, yeah, yeah right. it's a tough one now and, and, and they haven't got an easy run in either no it's very much a case of are others more are, are others worse and there's a very good claim for that because you would think that there's there's so many tough games for every other team. I think these next two games are going to be really tough. For, well, obviously West Ham playing tonight against Spurs. Um, uh, so by the time this goes out, we'll we'll know more about that predicament. But even then, I think you know tonight, if it was a write-off, you look at the remaining games, you think have they got enough there? I think there's a couple of players. I think if Haller comes back, yeah, they need a focal point up front, don't they? Yeah, that, and that re- on the weekend was tough to watch. And if if you put him up front with Antonio, Antonio. 
is a is a focal point for them, but he needs a, some sort of foil, whether it's a, yeah. a, another big guy up there with him. But um, there's, there's no but, doubt they've got they've got some very good individual players, but it's just it's just not working at the minute. Anyway, uh, Martin, I think we should go to a break. Um, you reckon? Great suggestion. Let's do that uh, after the break. Though I want to talk about tricky wingers, so do tune in. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Okay, welcome back. Second half. Uh, Mark, what was the comment you made? Tricky something? Tricky wingers. I want to talk about tricky wingers. Do you want to know why I want to talk about tricky wingers? There's I'd love two to players know. in the league this weekend who I think have got all the talent in the world, physically brilliant, great on the ball, exciting to watch, but up till recently have had no end product. And that's uh, Traore at Wolves and Sir Maximum at Newcastle. And this weekend, the final ball was superb. They both had excellent end product. Traore only came on for a bit of that game and he completely changed it against West Ham. He came yes. on and as soon as he did, the, the West Ham fullback, the Cresswell, Oh, wow. Like he was, it'd been haunted. It was, <laughs> and Traore roasted him one time, put a great ball in, nothing came of it. And then within 90 seconds, did the exact same thing and landed one on him and Ezra's head. And it's one of those players where him and St. Maximan, who was, who was great in his game as well, it's this, this is going to sound insane, but they've got absolutely unlimited potential that they could do anything. Yeah. If you're going to build a footballer, that's what they would be like. They'd have all those attributes as a winger. And if we can just get them to be more consistent on their final ball and more consistent on on making decisions, we could have two of the most exciting wingers in Europe in, in yeah. our league and not even playing for the most elite teams. Yes, or a great comment. And also, I love the... There was a, something old-fashionedness about the, the wing play. So it was like, instead of... The front three almost nullifies the natural wing play. of yeah, so, so, like, you always want to cut in or you've only ever got one man to hit. But Traore hitting, he was he wasn't hitting the touchline. He was hitting the the back line. So the goal, you know, he was going yeah. as far, and that perfectly curved ball that just teases the keeper out, beats the keeper, keepers dead. As long as the man at the back stick and Jimenez, he's just ready made for those. It was, oh, it was God, such, I love him. Beautiful, beautiful goal. It was like but, you know, but it, Martin, you know, Traore, you know, like, the black you, Scott Sellers, mate. You know, yeah. you you were you were a striker grits like. What you want is an early ball. You know, you don't want the centre backs to be able to plant their feet and get set. An early ball puts everything, everything out of sorts yeah. for the centre backs and gives you a proper chance. And if he's doing it regularly like that, it's just impossible to defend against. There's, there's a reason I, I agree yeah. with you about the old-fashioned wingers, and that's the reason why Dwight McNeil at Burnley is one of the best proper wingers we've got in the league as well, because he's one of those guys who is left-footed on the left wing, who'll go on the outside of a fullback and get a ball in early, and it's. It is like watching late 90s football, and I am absolutely 100% all in on it. 
don't you think, uh, and, and John, I'll bring you in this, especially in terms of what United used to do, if you've got wingers that are quick enough, they, as they're almost accelerating towards the, the touchline, um, you know, the goal line, the, the faster they're running, the more chance the ball is going to get clipped to the back stick. It almost feels like the slower they go, it's going to be a cutback or, a, you know, it's like Kinchelskis or you know, players that play with such pace. It looks like they're going to run out a pitch, but when they get there, they have to put a bit more on it and it just bends away from the keeper. I always think that, um, you know, Montreal is a perfect example of that because he's got such pace. But I, that wing play, I mean, you must have seen some of that in, in your time, John. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember Traore playing at Middlesbrough and there were those stories that um, Tony Pulis um, Tony Pulis and Traore, it's an unlikely combination, isn't it? Yeah, but he's got um, a lot to thank him for, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Carranca before that, you know, who actually was, he's essentially a, a Spanish Tony Pulis. Um, you know, and and, and they and and, that, and and also, you know, Nuno himself is not the most adventurous manager. But what they've got, and each of them has dealt with a the player there, Traore. I mean, Traore was at Barcelona, uh, was considered a very talented player. Uh, Aston Villa took a punt on him, paid him quite a lot of money, and it it never really happened for him there. But you've got a player there, the physical attributes, the skill, um, yeah. all of it. And now th- there are any stories that. I think it was. It, I think it might have been both Pulis and Karanka would get him to swap wings in the game so that they could tell him what to do during the game. Because yeah, they, that's right. They, in the they, yeah, they, they didn't trust his decision making. Now, I think it's fair to say that his decision making is far better these days. Yep. Um, and you've got a player of, you know, he's still pretty young. You, you would twenty four still. Yeah, twenty four. Yeah, he's had all those clubs. He's twenty four. Yeah, he's been around a while, and you wonder if another club might fancy taking a punt on him. Though he would be very costly at this point. Um, he would, he would. But John, do you, do you see him as being a a starting player for Wolves or even a bigger club, or do you think he might always be be seen as an impact sub, someone who can come on for twenty thirty minutes and just completely change the game like he did at the weekend? Well, I tell you what, um, I would be interested to see if. Uh, if this experiment with nine substitutes and five changes comes in, it would be interesting to see what would happen to a player like Traore and, or San Maximum because the scope for using them is greater rather than when you just have three substitutes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Nuno has used him as uh, an impact sub quite a lot. I mean, there's been games where he's been the match winner in the previous match and under in football orthodoxy would say, well, you can't drop this guy. And he has yes. dropped him. He has yeah. dropped him, and he's thrown yeah. him on later. And he's still he's produced the same. Um, I think that speaks to the excellence of the management of Nuno. Um, yes. But it also speaks to you know what, that he's a player that you have to find. He's not. He isn't. Uh, you know. Okay. The player that I was thinking of, like David Ginola, when he played for Newcastle. Now I was hearing something quite recently, and they were saying that essentially David Ginola. You could only really play for 65 minutes of the game. And I think this was at a time when you probably were only allowed two substitutes. So after 65 minutes, he was done and he wasn't going to offer anything. Mm-hmm. And, but you were still a brave guy to take off David Ginola. But I don't yeah. think you can... But I think the, the managers he's worked with, all pretty hard taskmasters, have made Traore realise that he can't play all the time, that he's got to earn his time to play. And that is, at the moment, producing... 
the excellence with which you see. And yeah, uh, I agree with Mark, actually. He's one of my favourite players to watch. Absolutely. I I, I was just going to say, I was just going to add on that, Mark. I I think that's match management from uh, Nuno is genius because it is, there is an element of that. And you look at Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough were hamstrung by the fact that they signed Negredo and had to play him up top on his own, which isn't really Negredo's game, even though he looks like that kind of striker. No, yeah, that's right. And you put and you put Traore uh, wide of a three, but you, it's not a three because you're Middlesbrough and the Premier League getting pumped, so you're on the back foot, and then he's like a he's like a wing back, so it's like yeah. he always felt like he was a square peg in a round hole, and now I totally agree that as an impact player, you can't have too many complaints uh, as a you know as a Premier League player to as long yeah. as you get minutes because I mean Mares, you look at players like Mares and Mares sensational the other day last night against Burnley, and you just, yeah yeah. These guys aren't. They understand the part of the bigger plan, but I do. I do think Wolves have the way that Wolves have developed that that squad and the way it looks. I'd love to see them in Europe again. Yeah, definitely. Well, from one player who's maybe not getting enough minutes to another player who's getting far too many. I've got a real problem with this. Harry Kane playing against Man United on Friday looked absolutely knackered after 55 minutes. Plays the full 90. This is his first game since January the first. Another manager at Spurs who doesn't know how to rest the most important asset. John Bruin, talk me through this. Talk me through why they can't seem to work out that playing in this many minutes is going to take years off his career. Well, I, 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 yeah. Um, well, when you've got a player that scores that many goals, it's difficult not to play him uh, for as much as you can. Uh, but when you've also got a player that scores that many goals, that player wants to play all the time. And I do think that's the problem with Harry Kane. Yeah. Um, Harry Kane um, is a. I think Harry Kane's a player of a, a man of much stronger character than his public persona might suggest. I think that he's someone who, having got himself into that position, having come from nowhere really, you know, five six years ago, um, he he rules the roost at Tottenham if he wants to, um, and you know he is uh, you know the king of White Hart Lane to succeed. Glenn Hoddle, um, you know, um, Alan Gilzean, all these players. He is a total cult hero, um, yeah. and it would be a brave manager to take him on. Now, Jose Mourinho is still in that position of trying to win over the fans. If he falls out with Harry Kane, he's got big problems, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, I, I uh, think they're good arguments, John, but yes. I think knowing enough Spurs fans as I do, and I sort of have an idea of what the general... Uh, mood is at the club I think they'd understand if they decided to take Harry Kane off uh, in a game where you know they're eighth in the league already okay the push of a Champions League but it's not like it's really hotting up for them to take him off knowing that okay if he scores the winner and stays on scores the winner and maybe does that three times in the next three weeks that's nine points well they're going to lose more than nine points when he's out for three or four months next season which happens every single season with him so I completely understand what you're saying about Jose wanting to appease the fans and that Harry Kane's a strong character and doesn't want to come off but both of them must understand that this is going to take not months off his career but years there's an argument that he's already peaked and we're on the downside already I mean I don't know how much you you subscribe to that but I think it, it might be the case and I'm just worried from a purely selfish point of view for England sorry Martin that he might not be able to do what we want him to do for long enough for us to be competitive in tournaments coming up Yeah and the player I've always compared him to uh, is Alan Shearer and Alan Shearer is a fantastic player I mean his Premier League record will never be beaten I don't believe um but the only player that could have beaten it perhaps was Harry Kane mm. Yeah, but yeah. 
Um, that isn't going to happen now, I would say, uh, because Harry Kane has suffered similar a similar group of injuries to Alan Shearer, but it, 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 the, but is less robust, I would say, than Shearer. Shearer would come back and Shearer reinvented himself. Shearer, at one point, yeah. was a fleet-footed forward. I mean, if you look at him at Blackburn, absolutely yeah. unbelievable. The complete so quick art- at Southampton. Oh, yeah, the complete article. Uh, and then you've got late period Alan Shearer where he's bulks up his legs and they're absolutely huge. You know, he's like John Paul Sigmason or something like that. Yeah. And he is carrying, you know, two hairy ass central defenders on his back and he's still scoring goals. Um, and I think that is probably the way forward for Harry Kane. Now, Harry Kane looks a little heavier when he came back this after this break, which is understandable. I think all of us are in that position at the moment. <laughs> um, uh, but he... At the start of the season, he came back much uh, much leaner because they said that they wanted to put less pressure on his ankles. Now, that didn't work. So have they gone the opposite direction and decided to bulk him up? I, I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, that's one well, to ask the, the trainers at, at Tottenham. That's an interesting point, though, John. Uh, you're right about um, Shearer and how he kind of went from from one to the other, like becoming a more Mark Hughes almost striker, wasn't he, at Newcastle? Yeah. That kind of power and the, 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 you know, the lower body strength that kind of carried him through the rest of his career. I think you, you, some players just have that burnout, though, don't they? And Rooney very much had it. And I don't know if Kane, Kane seems to, because he's bigger, probably has a, a shorter shelf life in terms of... You're totally right, Mark. He played consistently for so long not many, not many strikers like that do, do they? Man, midfielders no. do that can manage a game. So, like a Matt Holland or a, you know, even a, um, Frank Lampard, obviously. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Guys that yeah. can manage themselves throughout yeah. a game. But if you're the focal point and you're constantly there, and also if you're playing against Kane, you're going to kick him because you're just yeah. like, I want, I want him to know I'm there. The easiest part of a, the easiest part to kick is his ankle. Do you know what but I mean? another thing is, if, if you signed a, a if you put a bit of money up front and you, you decided to sign a striker who could take a bit of the pressure off Kane, so yes. not a Lorente, someone who actually is a, a a legitimate top six, top seven club striker and have him playing just 15, 20 games a season plus cup games, let's say. Well, that takes the pressure off him. Plus, it means that you can justify taking Harry Kane off for the last 20 minutes or the last 10 minutes. Even if it's the last 10 minutes every game, if, if they're not desperate for a goal, uh, that soon accumulates. Yeah, I, I think the problem you've got there is Spurs are the, exactly the wrong club for that at the moment. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you've got to feel sorry for Spurs in a certain sense because they, uh, I mean, uh, Kieran Maguire, the excellent finance guy, worked out that he thought that the Spurs were probably worth worth the most money out of any club in, in England, actually, because of the new stadium and the way they've, they've managed it. Now, pandemic has completely ruined their plans they've taken a loan of is it 150 million that's got to be repayable in a year now one way of repaying that is probably to cash in harry kane and if but if they don't do that they have they can't afford to buy anybody to play off harry kane no um it's it's a pretty it's a bad situation for tottenham at the moment um i don't think they chose the right manager uh and um He's working, and but to be fair to Jose Mourinho, he's working with a squad that was knackered in the first place, having uh, you know been essentially used up by Maurizio Pochettino and the person that leads the list of those players. Unfortunately, that's Harry Kane too. Okay, yeah. then John, let's say that they do cash in on Harry Kane. They decide that they've got to do that to move the club forward to pay off the debts, like you say. 
Are you taking Harry Kane for 120, 150 million quid for your team? No, I mean, that's the problem as well, is that uh, <laughs> pre-COVID, that's a deal that possibly could be done. There's links with Real Madrid. I mean, Roy Keane was touting the fact that United should buy Kane. That would be the answer to it, which perhaps shows Roy Keane's shortcomings as a manager. But um, anyway, uh, and but yeah, I, I don't see who's going to pay that money for him. You know, OK, compare them. Slightly different in age group. Uh, would you pay 150, 200 million for Kylian Mbappe or 120 million for Harry Kane? Well, yeah, there's not really much competition in it, is there? Um, no. It's it, 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 value-wise, that would be a, a, a very strange purchase for, for anybody, really. Who, who could afford it? Manchester United? They're not. So exactly there's three really. teams. There's three teams that can afford it, and they're, but, and they're not going to do it based on the fact that not only. Covid, but also you know the injury problem. So, so you're saying Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester United are those the three? I mean PSG in theory, but he's never going to go there. Well, yeah, there's three clubs there that you can't. I mean Real Madrid possibly, Barcelona. He's not a Barcelona type of player. Manchester United, Man City. Yeah, never. No, 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 not, no not, under, not under Pep Guardiola. No, more um, chance of Paris because the Eurostar. You know, it's handy. <laughs> um, I, listen, I think we could get we could get bogged down in uh, you. You you're basically nipped it in the bud, there, Mark. You're right. He's not in. He's not good enough, Nick, to sell, and he's too expensive to keep. Uh, oh, by so, the way, I love him. I love Harry Kane. I'm, this is. I, yeah, I, I'm, we're not slagging like, him because I'm I'm concerned for his future. That's why I'm even bothered about it at all. Well, yeah, that, I, you know, I was going to say I said, when Harry Kane came through, you know, 2014, 15, 2015, 16. It was such a refreshing player to watch. So fantastic. Brilliant to watch, in fact. Um, it was a bit unfortunate what happened to him at the Euros, uh, where we saw a Harry Kane we hadn't really seen before. A tired one. A Harry Kane that missed the target. And I'm not sure he's ever quite been the same since then. Apart from the fact that he still scores goals. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that wholeheartedly. And there is... You know, there's form in the Premier League of players that, you know, I, I think he goes beyond that. But um, players that have had those three or four seasons that are just unplayable and then just kind of things start to unravel. So let's hope it doesn't happen for that yeah, sake. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so you're talking Robbie Fowler, you know. Yeah, um, even even like you've got players like Andy Johnson, Marcus Stewart. I know he's there. These are, these are players yeah. that look unstoppable in uh, over 46 games, 38 games. And then... Next season, they're absolutely nowhere. And I know he's not that category because he's a different calibre. And there's something about him that's very, you know, he's so professional and he's, he's so regimented that if you get him fit and healthy on the pitch, there's inevitability of him scoring goals that perhaps you don't get with those players at certain clubs. I, I, I put him in the, the Fowler and Owen category, possibly. Yeah. He's not he's not there yet. Uh, I don't think he's as talented as, say, Wayne Rooney. But he, there's a possibility that he could overtake Rooney's goals for England um, but he probably won't he's not going to win as many trophies um, no. but he, he's in that he's in that bracket isn't he and it, it's you would say that Rooney okay didn't he didn't turn out to be as brilliant as we hoped but he still had a great career that's pretty much what Harry Kane's aiming for now um, and he's trying to avoid being the burnt out Fowler and Owen it's, he's got four years to do it okay okay I think yeah. is that about right was he 27 26, 27, yeah. And I think he might be an old 30, 31 
just due to these injuries. Right, I think we're going to wrap it there, John. Um, thank you very yeah. much for coming on our show again. Uh, really appreciate it. Well, I, yeah, I, I enjoyed myself. Believe it or not. Yeah. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to Louis Sibley. I don't know if you saw this, Martin. Uh, Louis Sibley, a hat trick for Derby at the weekend. The youngest player to score a hat trick in the championship since Ryan Sessignon in 2017. And it was an unbelievable hat trick as well. If you get a chance to look at that, look at it. Lovely. Lovely to hear. And um, you, the, I suppose the parts we didn't touch in terms of promotion, not promotion, Europe and relegation uh, will be slightly more topical next week when we when we have a better lay of the land. So let's let's revisit that. Lovely. Sounds good. All right. That was the Whistleblowers. Cheers. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk.
Sports Social Podcast Network.